Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. This episode of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast brought to us by our friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. And I just got a chance to meet those folks. They had a big concealed carry event down here in Fort Worth, Texas. The United States Concealed Carry Association literally helps to save lives. And let me explain. The USCCA is a membership association that provides self-defense education, training, and peace of mind to over 500,000 responsibly armed Americans nationwide. Click learn more below right now if you're ready to start your journey as one of them. When you activate your membership, you'll get access to expert self-defense education, life-saving training, and self-defense liability insurance. These resources are literally life-saving and the USCCA has first-person testimonies proving it. With your membership, you'll get access to hundreds of hours of training, videos, articles, checklists, guides, and more. You'll be able to get instant, up-to-date information about everything from gun laws to ammunition types to home self-defense drills. And best of all, it's 100% risk-free with the United States Concealed Carry Association's money-back bulletproof guarantee. That means that if you decide the USCCA isn't for you, simply call to request a prompt and courteous refund. So what are you waiting for? Click learn more below right now. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. You know, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a big cryptocurrency guy, but when I see what's going on with this FTX company and this Sam Banker Freed it's really fishy, and it's really disconcerting what is happening. And the more that you learn about it, I mean, it just goes deeper and deeper down into the rabbit hole. So I figured, you know, with this all this tech stuff and crypto stuff, let me find a young person that's really smart that can teach an old head like me. And so we turned over to Jake Denton, who is a research associate in the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation to make a little bit of sense of what we see happening and also this post-midterm election tech collusion that we're finding out about with uh, Google and, and Twitter and those folks. So, Jake, thanks for joining us here at the Steadfast and Law podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, this is a great topic for us to dive into. Well, let's dive into it. You know, we're just moseying along, and, and everyone thinks everything is fine, and all of a sudden, bam, we have this major collapse of this FTX, which, if I'm un understanding right, is kind of like a holding place for, you know, folks' cryptocurrency. But now we all see, suddenly see Bitcoin and Ether. I mean, they're having a precipitous decline in their value because of this. And we're finding out there are more and more people that are involved with FTX. So 
kind of give us an understanding of who FTX is and who this Sam uh, Bankman-Fried is, and uh, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So Sam Bankman-Fried founded a group called Almeida Research in around 2017, and it was a uh, kind of quantitative trading uh, group that focused primarily on cryptocurrency. And so what they were doing is kind of using an algorithm to trade obscure cryptocurrencies. Um, and he generated a great deal of wealth and ultimately decided to found a cryptocurrency exchange called FTX. And so FTX was kind of the first go around here in the States of a mainstream, easy to use exchange for normal people like you and I to purchase mm -hmm. cryptocurrency. And so if you know your mom wanted to buy Bitcoin, she would probably end up on FTX. It's just kind of, you know, if you were to Google easiest exchange, it would probably be recommended to go to FTX. And so this was really targeted towards the average ordinary individual. And so what we kind of have seen is FTX rises uh, disproportionately successful uh, compared to all of its competitors. They have a great deal of success um, kind of almost monopolizing the exchange market here in the United States. Um, and for kind of your listeners that don't know, that means they almost serve as a marketplace for an individual to purchase uh, cryptocurrency. So you just log in, you buy. It's just like buying stocks if you were to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we found out, you know, in the last few days is actually that Sam has been using the X, uh, FTX funds uh, with Almeida Research. So, you know, private dollars that users had put on the platform to trade were actually moved over to a separate company and used for investment purposes. So rightfully, we're kind of getting some comparisons here to the Bernie Madoff scandal. Yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, very similar, but uh, I think even crazier for some of your listeners probably to learn is that uh, it's estimated they have over $50 billion in liabilities now as they're kind of sitting in Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And so this is a greater bankruptcy than Enron or really anything we've mm -hmm. seen kind of in the tech space. Um, so... Of, this is of massive proportions. And, you know, you mentioned Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of suffering. Uh, this is kind of the result of a contagion factor. Yes. Um, crypto is such a small sector, uh, relatively speaking, to, you know, normal financial services or, uh, you know, any of these other big kind of commodity areas. Um, so when something happens, there's a domino effect. And the dust really hasn't settled yet because as we kind of unearth more and more details here, we see that, you know, the Democrat Party in particular uh, was incredibly involved here. And so this is going to be drawn out through all sorts of political uh, kind of legal proceedings. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a campaign talking point, frankly, uh, for all of 2024, uh, because this is essentially an extension of kind of that Democrat crime family uh, you know, that we had messaged on to us uh, throughout the last couple of cycles. Well, that's, you bring up a great point. And, you know, you, from what I understand, you have a million creditors that are now asking what's going to happen. But you, you look at this guy, I mean, after George Soros, he was the biggest contributor to the Democrat Party and other left-leaning causes. And he was bragging about how in 2024 he was looking at putting in a billion dollars into the, that election cycle. So when you think about this tie and this relation, and you put out a little uh, tweet about his brother Gabe, if I'm correct, was uh, a staffer up there on, on Capitol Hill, do you really think that Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice is going to do their due diligence and do what is necessary. Because I live down in South Florida. I know about Bernie Madoff. 
are they going to treat it the exact same way and and bring charges and, and, and investigate this and along with the SEC or the Democrats are going to say hands off? So you mentioned the uh, brother Gabe, but I want to take a step even further back towards the parents. Two Stanford law professors are, you know, the parents of Sam, the founder of FTX, mm-hmm. and uh, his mother, actually, Barbara, Uh, is the founder of a group called Mind the Gap, which, you know, the ordinary person would have never heard of before, but they're a very prominent far-left political fundraising group based out of Silicon Valley that acts as essentially a middleman between the biggest billionaires in our country and the members on Capitol Hill. And in 2020, uh, Vox, you know, not by any means a conservative publication, actually kind of brought to question, why is this obscure Stanford law professor in such a prominent political position? Uh, It really made no sense. And then if you go even further, the father, Joseph, actually drafted Senator Senator Elizabeth Warren's tax legislation in 2016. Uh, I believe maybe it was 2018. Um, And then has been a resource for Democrats in the lawmaking process uh, for years. And so the family from the top down uh, is involved in politics, you know, far left politicians. And then you find out yesterday uh, that the brother, Gabe, was actually a legislative correspondent for Congressman Kasten from Illinois, who by all means is like a very inconsequential member for Mm -hmm. such a well-connected political family. But dig a a layer deeper, you find out that Congressman Kasten is actually on the Financial Services Committee, tasked Ah. with handling cryptocurrency-related issues. And so essentially... The Bankman-Fried family had a forward operating base and had the ear of lawmakers on Capitol Hill because the brother was essentially serving as a mole for them. Do you get a sense that there's a little bit of money laundering going on, you know, with this operation? I mean, so it's all speculative, uh, right? We have no proof yet. I don't even believe there's been a DOJ investigation announced at this point. Uh, the only police force that has uh, said they're investigating is actually the Royal Bahamas Police Force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this is operating at a very low scale on the, the investigative side. It's largely been sourced from, uh, you know, private sector kind of foundation folks like myself um, kind of doing the dirty work here, poking around. But I believe there's definitely something more than meets the eye here. Uh, these aren't just coincidences. You know, the fact that the Ukrainian government was an investor in FTX is no coincidence. Uh, you know, there's, it's no coincidence that he gave nearly $40 million to Democrat candidates. Um, these are all very calculated moves. Um, and then it really the question is, were they deliberately kind of laundering money? You know, what was the grand plan here? Because this wasn't an accident. Um, believe it or not, Caroline Ellison, who is actually the CEO of Almeda Research, the uh, kind of sister company, her father was actually Gary Gessler's boss at MIT. Gary Gessler is the SEC commissioner who is tasked with kind of regulating the crypto sector. So, I mean, across the board, this is crazy. And so back to your earlier question, you know, will we prosecute? There's a like stranglehold of sorts from these families that were involved in this uh, kind of company over the Democrat Party. And so with them maintaining this power currently over the DOJ, it's hard to see how there's any going to be any justice, but it's also hard to see how they escape the kind of political pressure. So yet to be you, seen. You know, this has been going on, if I'm correct now, we're about at, what, 96 hours, four to five days this has been going on. If this were people with links to the Republican Party, this would be all over the media. 
and and without a doubt, Merrick Garland would be you know all into you know them, and and there be an investigation announced and everything. So I am really skeptical, even though it's speculation. You know, when you connect the dots, which you have done very well for myself and for the viewers, when you connect the dots, this doesn't seem like a whole lot of speculation. It whole, it really seems like something nefarious is going on there, and for whatever reason, it has collapsed, uh, and collapsed in a big way. And if I'm one of those uh, creditors out there, one million creditors, I want some answers. I want some truth. Do you think that, you know, at what point in time, if we don't see a DOJ investigation, we should really understand that there's a scandal here. Well, this is going to unfold for years. This is not going to be a quick resolution. Um, you know, we're still awaiting a DOJ investigation, uh, but at the point of public disclosure, we would probably be a year plus into the investigation proceedings. Uh, there still haven't even been formal charges placed on Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder, who was, uh, you know, just stealing customer funds here. And so uh, we're in the very early stages, as you mentioned. This essentially started unwinding, uh, or I guess uh, kind of collapsing here on Friday. Um, so it went over through the weekend, and now we're kind of uh, digging through the ruins here, not really knowing what we're going to find. Uh, but, you know, this is a Bahamas-based company. Uh, you know, Almeida Research is doing extensive kind of work out of the uh, Hong Kong area. Uh, that Caroline Ellison, who I just mentioned, is actually trying to flee from Hong Kong to Dubai for non-extradition purposes. And, you know, an innocent person doesn't do that, right? No, so, they, no. no. <laughs> I mean, so that tells you all you need to know. So Absolutely. where is this uh, the uh, Sam Bankman-Fried? Where is he right now? Because for I understand, his uh, penthouse down in the Bahamas is up for sale and he's left the island. Uh, so my understanding is he's still currently being detained by the Bahamas police, um, kind of under supervision, if you will. He still has access to a cell phone. Um, so this is a very, using the word detainment very loosely here, I believe he's just kind of under surveillance um, while they kind of figure out what they're going to do with him, whether they extradite to the States or, you know, they try him in the Bahamas. Um, so still kind of in the early stages here as well. Um, but I mean... There was just a, uh, I'm sure everyone kind of saw this, the private jet of Sam Bankman-Fried actually chartered off to Argentina, um, and he wasn't on the plane, so the question remains, you know, who was, uh, yes. which we still haven't gotten a, uh, an answer on that either. So, I mean, this is the uh, something right out of Hollywood, right? This is a, uh, a movie. So. Absolutely. Well, the other thing I want to talk to you about is this whole collusion. I mean, everyone talked about Russian collusion, but the real collusion between big tech and the Democrat Party and what they're doing to suppress conservative candidates and even the RNC. And as, as you well know, the RNC has filed a lawsuit against Google. Where do you think that will go? Well, it's really tough to say. So the RNC's lawsuit against Google predominantly is kind of centered around email uh, delivery rates, right? So uh, in the campaign world, when conservatives or I guess candidates in general are sending emails to voters, uh, you know, it's largely based off of soliciting donations. And so what the RNC is alleging is that uh, in the final stretch of each month, this is, you know, your big fundraising push. It's where your viewers will have been spammed with texts mm -hmm. and emails. Uh, Google was lowering the delivery rate of emails to zero percent. They were placing every single fundraising solicitation in the spam folder. And so what that does for conservatives is essentially drain their uh, supply of dollars, you know, to operate their campaigns. It gives a, it's an in-kind donation, if you will, to the Democrats. 
Um, but additionally, not mentioned in the lawsuit the RNC filed, Google has been found from a, a media research center study to basically mm -hmm. be burying conservative search results, you know, on the 10th plus page of Google. Um, so, you know, you Google a candidate's name to even an issue, um, you won't get the conservative perspective or the conservative candidate until, you know, you've dug through the, the trenches, the troves of data that Google has on the 10th, 15th plus page. So, I mean, across the board, a ton of collusion going on between the left and Silicon Valley. You know, it's amazing to me how, you know, Joe Biden and the mantra of the left in this uh, midterm election cycle in the last three weeks when he really got nervous about the results, it was about a threat to democracy. If you vote for Republicans, it's a threat to democracy. But yet they are working with private sector big tech organizations to censor, uh, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, po political expression. But yet, I guess that's not a threat to democracy. Yeah, it's, I mean, the hypocrisy is just like painful, right? I mean, they come yeah. and grandstand to us on, you know, MSNBC or Twitter and tell us that we're making a fuss over nothing. But we, there is no way for a Republican candidate to get elected unless they have access to the same tools in the digital sphere uh, that, you know, the Democrat uh, equivalent does. And, you know, while we may not like that, politics is digital at this point and we need to utilize the tools of the online world in order to win. And so conservatives will never get across the finish line unless there is a level playing field here. Do you think that some of these uh, campaigns and candidates can bring lawsuits against some of these big tech companies? I, I think it's hard, uh, you know, in an honest, fair court to see how conservatives don't have a great case uh, for collusion to election interference, you know, across the board, there's just been an egregious amount of tampering from Silicon Valley companies all the way from Meta to Google, you know, mm -hmm. you name it. They've all been getting involved in these elections, uh, whether it be donation dollars to just tinkering with their platforms. So, um, I mean, I absolutely believe conservatives should, you know, pursue legal remedy here um, and don't seed the Internet. You know, we can't just give this up. We have to fight for it. No, you're absolutely right. And hopefully this is one of the things you get a Republican majority, they will have a hearing on it, and at least you keep that visibility out there on the issue. So what's the future? I mean, can Republicans uh, find or conservatives find a, a tech-based platform that can make sure that their message gets out? Or are we just subjects to the leftist uh, big tech corporations that are out there? Yeah, so the future is really unknown at this point. I mean, the kind of tough on tech coalition really hasn't manifested for conservatives yet. We don't really have a great team of lawmakers that are really ready to take on this battle, but we see it, politics are becoming increasingly digitized, mm -hmm. and so we're being forced into it. And, you know, these staffs on the Hill that are kind of, you know, tasked with, you know, drafting the legislation and briefing the congressmen need to kind of up their knowledge in terms of what they... Uh, kind of are tackling here and, you know, the, the collusion, kind of the machine that they're going against, uh, there's just an information imbalance. I mean, the staff really doesn't understand uh, the back end of the platform and the companies are weaponizing that. And so they're abusing uh, kind of the legislative process here and making it difficult for us to kind of fight back. So, I mean, as we, you know, move into the 24 election cycle here and we're going to hit levels of online politics we've never seen before, 
you know, I'd look to candidates going on to Elon's Twitter, which I believe will likely take a better turn uh, because that ultimately is probably the last platform we have a chance for free speech on. Um, and so look for candidates to move over to Twitter and look for kind of a growing vocal minority of conservative lawmakers to try and start bringing in their peers to take on big tech. Well, it did not take Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice very long to, quote unquote, open an investigation on Elon Musk and his purchasing as a private citizen of a private sector organization because they don't want to happen exactly what you just said. But it seems they're going to drag their feet about Sam Bankman-Fried. So, you know, Jake, where can people find all of this great work you're doing? Because this is another part of the ideological political battlefield. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at real, the letter J, and then Denton, my last name. And then you can also find me uh, on the Heritage website. I post all of my writings up there. Um, I'm going to have you know quite a bit more on the FTX scandal coming out this week and into next week. Uh, we're not going to let them kind of escape this one. So we're going to keep the pressure on them. You got to keep the pressure on them. And remember, you only win on offense, never on defense. Jake Denton, thank you so very much. The tech policy advisor there at the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us on the Steadfast and Law podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast. And remember, if you like what you have seen, please hit the like button and share it with others. Our mission here is to inform you, educate, and activate you to be a better American citizen. Thanks to Jake Denton, who is the Tech Policy Advisor at the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation. And we're going to continue to follow up on this FTX story because I think there's more there than meets the eye. So God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. And always remember, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down